The Athletic. Hello, I'm Dan Bardell. Welcome to 1874, The Athletic's podcast all about Aston Villa Football Club. Joined as ever by global glorious Greg Evans and Holly Percival as well to chat things all Aston Villa. We're going to look back on the Manchester United game and we're also going to do a little bit on Everton as well. We'll have half of the Athletics Everton team in the form of Greg O'Keefe on the show later to fill us in on all the gory details. How are we both guys? I'm brilliant Dan, I'm, I'm fantastic. I woke up this morning smiling, I'm looking out my window now, the sun's shining, the birds are chirping away and, and my room's smelling like roses. I'm fantastic mate, really happy to talk to you as well. Greg Evans loves the transfer window, you can just you can see it radiating off him. Holly, you okay? I'm good thank you, I don't think anything I say will, will follow such an opening from Greg. So, um, oh, magnificent. It was brilliant but I am fine too, thank you. Good. Actually, I might as well, as you're looking out the window and we've mentioned the transfer window there, Greg, we might as well come to you early whilst you're in such jovial spirits. See if you'll give us anything. Any Ooh, any, any sneaky I'd, transfer, I'd, Goss? I'd love to give you some uh, really juicy information, Dan, but I haven't really got any at the moment. No, I'm just waiting for some of my contacts to, to get back to me and hopefully I can provide some updates as and when. But if you keep if you keep an eye on the, the Athletics uh, live blog that Harley Percival runs so so wonderfully well, we'll update you throughout the day. And we should, not just Holly, we should say. Holly, Holly's not the only person that, that runs that blog, unless you are in charge of it and I just didn't know that, Holly. Uh, no, I know. It is across the whole news team. We work relentlessly providing updates on those news blogs. Yeah, the news team are always on it, to be fair, as I, as I found out in recent weeks, doing the transfer show with with a lot of you. Let's get started with the Manchester United game at the weekend then, Greg. I wasn't there. They didn't win. I've watched it back. First half, I didn't really enjoy. Second half, some really nice stuff and encouraging signs. And for once... Villa have come back from 2-0 down against Manchester United rather than the other way around. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Was you on a stag do? I can't remember why, why you missed it. Yeah, I was. I was I was out in town. And then kept running into Villa fans all evening saying, <laughs> did you oh, did you, what do you think of the game? I was like, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen any of it. I really enjoyed it. I thought United started quite well and, and Villa couldn't really get out of their own half. They, they sucked the atmosphere out of Villa Park. And I was a bit concerned because I think it was four minutes and, and Villa had hardly strung a pass together. Um, and it was almost like a role reversal from from the game at Old Trafford. You know, Villa were sh- struggling to sort of get going. United were on the front foot. They obviously got the early goal, um, a, a very un- unfortunate and un- uncharacteristic error from from Martinez. Uh, and and then they had the ascendancy man United. And when they went two 0 up, I just thought, yeah, th- there's no real way back for for that. But Gerard's substitutions changed it, and 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 it was excellent towards the end. And look, wow, I mean the. the the, the atmosphere in Villa Park in those final 10 minutes w- was something else. Um, I say that Man United sucked the life out of the fans in, in the first half. That They really did. It was, it was so quiet in the first half. Um, but those final 10 minutes uh, when Villa got the two goals back and if they'd got that third, I mean, bloody hell, that would have been some some place to be inside because the, the noise was just incredible. What would you put? Would you put the slow start down to again? I thought that I thought they actually ended the first half quite well the last, the last 15 minutes from, from what I saw when I watched it back, but... It's a bit concerning. To, uh, I feel like there's been a few times when Stephen Gerrard had to come out at half-time and say, we had to get into them at half-time. I feel like he's used that phrase quite a lot more than you would like recently, as if they haven't had a good first half and they've had a slow start. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the thing that I would say to that is, if there's a team that's got it in them to go and put a, a response in and have a good second half, 
Um, I think you'd still take that because it's better than having a team that can't really produce anything. But yeah, look, you know, obviously Villa fans are looking for a full 90 minutes from their team. I think actually the introduction of Matic helps Man United massively. Um, and, and, and I think the reason that, that Villa grew so strong towards the end was that they actually kept him on for too long. You know, he hadn't played for a while. He started the game really well. He, he was blocking off passes, making interceptions and, and tracking runners. But then his legs kind of went towards the end and, and Villa used that to their advantage. But the slow start, I, you know, I don't know. Don't know. I'd love to have a, a really detailed, accurate answer for you, but I don't know. And, and I don't think even Stephen Gerrard knew because I asked him that question as well. And he just said, look, we had to get into them at half-time and remind them of their responsibilities. And luckily, we've seen, we've seen a reaction. Yeah, that first goal, Holly, it's just, I guess it's just one of those things for Emi Martinez. I mean, he barely ever makes a mistake, but he's a pretty big pretty big one to make, wasn't it, there? But he bounced back because he made a lot of saves in that first half. Yeah, I think, like most Villa fans, Martinez is, is up there with one of their favourites. So to, to see him have that error that, that was, you know, unforced and, and kind of potentially monumental in terms of affecting the game overall was really upset and disappointed and you just can't not be frustrated when it's like an unforced error like that but like you said luckily Martinez stayed focused he made some great saves um you know because Alanga especially was applying quite a a decent amount of pressure on the the wide areas so I'm glad Martinez could stay switched on and, and not lose his head which a lot of goalkeepers can do quite easily so I think Gerard did a really, really sweet gesture, which was, you know, praise Martinez and you could see him speak to him after the game on the pitch and the next day posted, you know, on Instagram, his son in the Martinez goalkeeper kit and and tagged Martinez in that. So you can just tell that Gerard also understands his players and knows how much playing for Villa means to them. So that little gesture, I think, will have really helped Martinez going into the next game because... We all know Martinez is a perfectionist and, and will not stand for, for that kind of error. Modern day man management, that is, utilising Instagram. It to is. Get the best out of your players. That is nice, nice to see from Steven Gerrard there. Luca Dean started Greg. I thought at the end of that first half, when I did think Villa were in the ascendancy, I thought he was a, a massive part of that. What was he like in the flesh from your vantage point? Um, yeah, in the first half, he was obviously on my side of, of the stadium. Um, obviously, sitting in the Trinity Road stand. Uh, where the press box is located, so, so I got a good look at him, especially in attacking areas. Um, his delivery was a huge improvement on uh, Matt Target and other wide players. Uh, you know, even Matt Cash as well. That the, the two of them have haven't been ex- haven't been very good or or at the levels that they should have been with their crossing. So I noticed that as an immediate change. A um, couple of uh, first half deliveries that he put in were excellent. The corner, I think, for Buendia's header was excellent as well. Um, and then in the second half going forward, he 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 opened up the Man United back line a couple of times, got him round the back and, and created a few chances. Um, the thing I've always said about him ever since last week when he started was, uh, sorry, when he signed was, is he going to be any better defensively than, than Matt Target? Now, judging by uh, his first performance in Villa Colours, no different really for me. He had a couple of, Hairy moments, a couple of moments where he did well, um, but we'll have to just judge him on that in the times ahead. I think what we will definitely see, though, is an improvement in, in attacking areas. His delivery is incredible. I guess if Gerard wants to be a more front-foot team, then he probably isn't focused on the defensive side so much. He'll he'll want the improvement going forward, won't he? I mean, yeah, of course, but you, you need to find a balance because if you're conceding goals every game, then it's... You know, you, you're losing that. You're losing an advantage there. Anyway, you need to keep it tight. Needs to be a balance. Um, and it, and it's all well and good saying we want all these attacking players in there. But 
if you've got Coutinho and when when they're playing together and you've got two flying fullbacks as well, there's a lot of pressure on the middle areas to to block off um, shots and chances. So just got to get the balance right. But I, th- I think we're going to be excited, especially in these next run of six games, because Villa are up against teams who are in and around them in the table. Games where they will ex- be expected to go and take the game to their opposition. Um, and hopefully we'll, we will see Dina and um, his attacking qualities. Yeah, Morgan Sanson got a rare start, Holler. I can't say I noticed loads of him watching the game back, but obviously he made that mistake for the second goal and then booted a water bottle as he as he got substituted. What did you make of him? Yeah, I mean, I I think like most Villa fans have been probably wanting Sanson to do well and get that start and you know really show why Villa bought him in in the first place. But I think ever since he signed and had issues with injuries and so so on. He just still hasn't found that form that he's looking for. And I, I will hold my hands up and admit the last podcast, I know that some people were questioning the fact that I thought that a left-back signing was more important than a defensive midfielder signing. And I think that Gerard signing Dina over a defensive midfielder kind of shows that Gerard is on that same line of bolstering his squad rather than um, adding so quickly to the midfield area. But if McGinn is out, I, I do not trust Sanson complicitly to, to fill that role in the in the same way that McGinn does. So I think Sanson has showed that, you know, Gerard should be pushing to bring a defensive midfielder in before the window ends, but we also need a, you know, an added centre back. So it's where those priorities lie for Gerard on that list and sort of Sanson was rightly frustrated, so hopefully he'll kind of bounce back. But it was so frustrating after the Martinez error as well to just have two errors lead to, to two goals for United. Yes, yeah, so Villa find themselves 2-0 down, Greg. There's a lovely compilation on YouTube of Manchester United watch-along fans saying the game's over at 2-0. Odd combination of people, I've got to say, all the different people that, that were on there. Coutinho comes on, the magic man. Instant impact, two touches. Involved in two goals? Yeah, I put a tweet out at 2-0 down saying there's a, there's still plenty of time for Villa to get back into this game. And I've got Rare that you do that and it goes that way. Yeah, Usually got, you do it and it'll go the other way. Quite a few comments in replies basically saying that I uh, didn't have a clue what I was going on about. But um, Good engagement, all engagement, good engagement. <laughs> all good interaction. <laughs> um, yeah, look, you can't rule a team out, especially Villa at home. Okay, it's Man United and... and you never expect them to get anything against them purely because of the history. But there's still 15 minutes of a game to go and Man United have pinned back in their own half. Villa are creating chances. It only needs one goal and that's all it took. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really hard, isn't it, to to uh, to analyse Coutinho's brief cameo because he, he, he almost had an assist but for a, a small interception from from Fred that, that sort of took the ball away from him so he won't get classed as his assist. And then he, he scored, you know, Probably anyone on the pitch would have scored, admittedly. But I, had, know, I think that's a harder. No, nah, get anyone, any run. player on the pitch scores that. I mean, look, Dan, well, come Greg on. Evans doesn't took that away at the back. Well, last. any any player on that Villa pitch at the moment scores that. But I'm um, look, I'm 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 not taking anything away from him. Um, he's got into the position. He's he, he's converted it. Um, and look, it's a brilliant start because, and that's just what he needed because a lot of people had spent the week questioning whether he was going to be good enough still. And whether he is or not, we will we will see in the weeks and months ahead. But what this goal has given him is a really nice start. He'll be bu- absolutely buzzing off it. He'll, he, he, all week he would have been training um, with a spring in his step. He's not quite ready yet. You know, he does need a couple of weeks to, to get up to full speed. But that goal will help him massively. And, and, and if he can go to Everton, a place where, you know, he's going to get a horrendous reception for his, um, for his time at Liverpool... 
and then do something again uh, on Saturday. Hopefully he can build on that. But look, there's a long way to go. And, and other than the goal and the almost assist, which admittedly is excellent <laughs> going off the bench, I didn't really see anything else in him. But I'm looking forward to seeing what happens um, if he does start or if he comes off the bench on Saturday. He's given him a platform, certainly. And you know, that's all you can ask for probably in, in the briefest of cameos that, that he had. I actually thought, Holly, that he... He works. He works hard. I think people think you know, number ten Brazilian luxury player. But he actually works really hard off, off off the ball to close people down. But I think he just gave Villa that bit of impetus. And he, I felt like I know it was only fifteen minutes, so it's a, a slight exaggeration to be saying this. But I did feel like he made Ramsey Buendia at that point. I felt like they raised their games a little bit playing with him. Yeah, definitely. I think you could see it in in Ramsey and Buendia especially. Um, it was just that new little bit of lease of life and little bit lease of confidence. And I guess maybe that's become from from how well the training sessions have been going in the week since Coutinho signed. So I think it was great. Like Greg said, we'll have to see over the coming weeks if Coutinho can can keep up that consistency and keep providing those crucial moments. But it is a really exci- exciting start for Villa. I mean, again, you have to kind of question why Villa weren't converting in the first place. Danny Ings and, and Ollie Watkins just really were struggling in the final third, even though Villa had the second highest number of touches in the opposition box um, on the weekend. So it's just about converting those chances. And luckily Coutinho was clinical and, and helpful in those. And I think his movement, like you said, on and off the ball were just unbelievable. He gets knows how to get in and around in between defensive players and, and the midfield area and I think United were on the back foot against us once Coutinho was on. So I think it's just seeing how much his work rate continues when, you know, the ball is more towards Villa's final third rather than the opposition's final third. So it'll be exciting to see if his fitness continues to develop, can he can continue to score goals. And I also just want to point out, like, Jacob Ramsey was was unbelievable before Coutinho came on and then a new lease of life when Coutinho came on. And I think he deserves as much of the spotlight as Coutinho does from the weekend because Ramsey put in an unbelievable performance. Yeah, I feel like Norwich away was his coming of age moment. And then on Saturday, that was him saying, right, I'm here. I'm a, I'm a big player at Villa now and I'm going to be a big player for a number of years. He, he's getting better and better every week, Ramsey. From week one, when he came on against Watford at halftime, I thought there's something different here. He looks a different base and he's having a really, really good season. Good to see Chuck Wemeka come on and get involved in a goal as well, Greg. The, the main difference from there, um, I think we can all talk. I said, you know, Coutinho will get the headlines for his goal and um, he's almost assist. But I think Chuck Wemeka was the, the, the real driving force from that midfield. I think he made a big difference. Um, Man United players seemed scared of him. They, they didn't really know what to do. He lost the ball a couple of times, but he was really direct, purposeful. Um, and he's going to be a big player for Villa now for, for the rest of the season, I think. And, and if they can, if, if Gerard can use him um, like that more regularly, then he's going to get Villa a lot of points, I think. Yeah, again, this is going to probably sound a little bit stupid to say. You've mentioned he gives the, gave the ball away a couple of times. I don't mind people giving the ball away when it's not sloppy, when they're trying things. And that's how I feel about Buendia. I thought Buendia was excellent. I thought he had a really, really good game. I know he does give the ball away sometimes, but yeah. I've said it before. And he's getting better and better every week now, so you don't notice it as much. But I just like that he, he tries things. He, he doesn't mind giving the ball away. He's not a player that's going to look back on his passing stats at the end of the game and, and, and mind. Some players, I feel sometimes they pad the stats a little bit by just keeping things simple, knocking the ball around, getting the pass percentage up. But Ndeye doesn't mind giving the ball away because he's always trying to make something happen, and I really like that. And he's really hard-working. You know, that, that, that often goes unnoticed, but... I watched him. So, I watched him. Almost, I almost player cammed on, on him for the second half um, against Brentford, and he works so hard. 
He was jumping in between the lines, asking for the ball all the time, running from left to right into the middle areas, trying to win the ball back. The amount of times he actually jumps up and tries to win headers uh, is pretty incredible for a very small number 10. He scored one, didn't he? Can you ever remember players like David Silva doing that? You you just don't associate a silky skilled number 10 jumping up for headers in the middle of the park trying to win it. Um, So that's what I do admire about him. He's got that tenacious streak. He's... He's desperate to do well, and when he gets on the ball now, he's starting to make a difference. I, I, I mean, I'm genuinely enjoying watching him. The last three games, I think he's been excellent. Um, and it wasn't so long ago that probably you know the, the Villa fan base and me included were saying, "Have Villa wasted the money on him? You know, is he, he a little bit too expensive for what he is?" But he's starting to show his real value now. And look, we're talking about the whole midfield now, the whole midfield and an attacking area. Um, as a real plus point for Villa. Got McGinn coming back on Saturday, who will make a big difference. As Holly said earlier on, there isn't anybody who can replace McGinn. He's so unique. Villa haven't got a like for like replacement. Sanson just isn't, haven't quite seen it in him yet. He probably had his, his best game in a Villa shirt um, before the bad error. But, um, you know, that, that will that will just add to his performance, unfortunately, and just make it another another day to not remember. So, but you're looking at a lot. You're looking at a lot of positives now. Um, McGinn in the middle, Chuck Wemeka coming on, Ramsey playing really well, Coutinho potentially doing well after just a decent a decent start. Watkins leading the line, Wendy, you know, excelling. There's a lot of plus points to talk about. And then if Dean can can join in the attacks, you've got a really really exciting group there moving forward. Yeah, good to see Villa take a point because I think that would have been four defeats in a row, which would have been a little bit of a confidence denter. And we know when you get to five. That's when you're in the real trouble. So Gerard will be glad to knock that run of defeats on the head. Worth pointing out, as we've touched on, to, well, we've talked about Coutinho a fair bit there. Michael Cox has written a piece for The Athletic saying that he thinks Coutinho is a great fit for Gerard's preferred system. I read it earlier on in the week. It was actually a really, really good read and it, sh- it should give you signs of encouragement about how the little magic man is going to fit in at Villa Park. If you're not subscribed to The Athletic and you want to read that, you can do so at the moment with a 33% discount by heading to theathletic.com slash villapod. You'll get full access to all the great writing, including plenty of fresh content from Greg this week and ad-free versions of all The Athletic's podcasts, including this one. So just head to theathletic.com slash villapod for a third off a subscription. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's welcome Greg O'Keefe along from the blue side of Merseyside, the Athletics Everton reporter or one of the Athletics Everton reporters. Very, very busy week for you, Greg, so we really, really appreciate you coming on. 
Rafa Benitez's departure, not the most strange sacking that I've ever seen in my life, but a lot of decisions that preceded it were pretty weird considering he's ended up going, weren't they? None of it really makes sense other than, as you say, probably if you look at it in isolation, the decision to part terms of Rafa, the way results were going, the fact that you lose to Norwich and, and all of a sudden find ourselves six points away from the drop. But if you if you sort of work back from there, you allow the director of football to leave in December based on, I mean, what that wasn't at Rafa Benitez's behest, but they weren't kind of working together. And, you know, I think Rafa was one voice of many that uh, found issue with what Brands was doing. So he goes, then you allow that the director of medical services, Danny Donaghy, really popular. I think he worked at Villa at one point, really yeah, popular with the players, uh, you know, sort of well-respected industry figure. You let him go very much at Benitez's behest because Rafa wants to come in and sweep through all the departments with a broom and bring his own men in. And then, as I'm sure you'll know, most sort of mind-numbingly, head-scratchingly of all, you sell one of your better players to a rival. And uh, very again, very much at Rafa's created this situation where he wins the argument, the club let him win the argument. And then two or three days later, you sack Rafa. So the, not only are they now minus one of their better players, the minor director of football, the minus you know some key appointments in the backroom staff, and frankly they're lacking in a direction or at the moment it feels like an identity of what they want Everton to be off the pitch and on it actually. Yeah, Luca Luca Dean. Basically, there there would have been no chance now. Say with this week and Villa are making a move for Luca Dean and Benitez has gone. There's probably little chance that Everton would let him go to Villa. Is that am I correct in saying that? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, you are correct. I don't think they would have been looking to sell him anyway. Uh, at the moment, you know, his performances hadn't been at the at the level that we'd come to expect from him. You know, his first couple of seasons, he was eight, eight or nine out of ten most most games, and had fallen off a little bit to probably sort of between six and eight at his best, um, but. The quality was there. It was clear to see. It was just a case of maybe him being utilised best in a system. And he didn't feel he was by Rafa. And it was disappointing that Dean, on his part, there was a perception he wouldn't kind of just put the team before himself. So that was frustrating on a fan's behalf. But no one wanted to see him leave particularly. And especially not to the side who obviously were not competing in the league at the moment. But, you know, at the start of the season, you'd be hoping to challenge for the same sort of areas in the table I would have thought so it just doesn't make sense yeah really difficult times for Everton at the moment but they have got Anwar El Ghazi in on loan I don't think he was on Benitez's radar until Villa offered him or mentioned him in the talks with, with Luca Dean what have you made of that signing yeah I mean it, it was fair to say it wasn't one that got the the pulses racing and, and got the fans captured their imaginations it was a you know for starters I think Benitez wanted a central midfielder and there was thought that he wanted a, a winger but the order that he was he was trying to do it was to bring in a central midfielder and then maybe at the end of the window get look, look at a winger. I think it's symptomatic of of some of the things that are wrong with Everton Football Club. You've got the owner and agents, um, you know, Keir Jarabshin, who's a very close friend and advisor to Fahad Mashiri, putting players into the owner who then goes and signs them above the manager's head or certainly, you know, pushes the agenda for them to be signed. You know, Rafa Benitez didn't really, hadn't targeted Al Ghazi. He wasn't on any pre-existing lists like Nathan Patterson or Vitaly Mikolenko, the two fullbacks we brought in. You know, Rafa didn't pick them, but they were previous club targets. He was just somebody who was 
effectively foisted on the club. Uh, I mean, you hear suggestions about why, and, you know, it was kind of at the point they were at, they needed to then get Dean off the books because they'd gone and spent out on the, the two fullbacks, including Dean's replacement. So uh, Villa needed Al Ghazi's wages off the books and before they could sign Dean. And so this sort of unhappy kind of transaction went ahead, certainly from Everton's point of view anyway. Um, whether he'll, I mean, Greg wrote a really interesting piece about, he's spoken to him about a year ago, I think it was, Greg. And, you know, it does seem that obviously he's got a player who's got ability. Um, I'm sure you, you, you'd you tell me about his consistency issues. We we as Evertonians know that he scored some really good goals against us, but and maybe they're in parts of like purple patches that aren't, don't happen enough. Um, and yeah, it's a strange signing. I think the only sort of, part of it that's de-risked and therefore for a club like Everton who's overspent and made very, very many strange signings is it's only on loan. So it's probably not the end of the world, but it is a symptom, I think, of a club that is uh, dysfunctioning badly. I think with um, with El Ghazi, Dan, you, you'll probably agree with me, but it's so unusual for a Premier League team to sell or to let their second top goal scorer from a previous season go out on loan to a rival Premier League club and almost be deemed um, you know, not worthless, but just surplus to requirements, wasn't he? he? Just wasn't going to get many games. But that is just the story of Al Ghazi. He he delivers in terms of his numbers, but his performances and the consistency levels just aren't there, are they, Danny? He, he'll, he'll go through two or three games where he doesn't really do anything. Yet then he'll have a, a run of five or six games where. He'll score five or six goals. And look, it, it, I, I tweeted it out, Greg. If if Everton play him and don't put him on penalties, they're missing a the trick because he's never missed one for Villa and he's ice cold from the penalty spot. You know, that, that is the one thing that he's brilliant at. Yeah, he had some problem with penalties, didn't you, the other way at Calvert-Lewin? I put him in my fancy turn. <laughs> yeah. Missed the penalty. And that was just that was just classic Everton at the moment, yeah. You know, he's just come back into the team, hasn't he? So you can give him a little bit of mitigation, but oh, it's a terrible penalty kick, wasn't it? Um, but that's the way it seems to go when, when you suddenly find yourself with... Uh, you know, the, the amount of breathing space reduced that we have down there at the bottom of the table. It's not where we thought we'd be this season, even though no one thought Rafa would be, or very few people thought Rafa would be a good idea. And and many predicted it would work out as it as it has, although I'm not sure they thought it happened so quickly. But um, still the ambitions were, you know, higher than, than this. Um, so yeah, it, and, and then of course, I think uh, interestingly, one of the reasons why he kind of went was timing as well. I think the feeling was that the dressing room it wasn't working tactically. He wasn't performing as you'd expect Rafa Benitez to do in terms of, you know, shrewd lineups and, and, and ways to win games. Regardless, he was actually doing the opposite. He, he was compounding the wider malaise with, with his own tactical errors. And then the fact that Villa are next up at Goodison in front of the home fans, Stephen Gerrard coming back to, to Everton in, in the rival dugout, you know, Luca Dean, Claret and Blue almost <laughs> nailed on to set up a goal or score a free kick or something. It would have got, I, just, it, I can imagine it would have got really nasty at Goodison on Saturday. So that, that alone, I think the, Rafa won't be there. will kind of give the fans a bit of a pick up and hopefully in, improve the atmosphere and by virtue improve I mean, the chances of getting some sort of result because they can't afford to lose on Saturday. Luca Dane will, will play. El Ghazi obviously will not play. Someone else who has joined Villa who will not play. Well, I hope he doesn't play anyway, because that would mean something's happened to Emmy Martinez. Is Robin Olsen. Villa have signed him as a backup keeper over the last few days, Greg. 
What, what did you make of him last season? Because he was he was at Everton, and he, I remember him playing a few games actually. Yeah, he was good. He was a good goalkeeper. I mean, his pedigree was decent, wasn't it? He? he played well at Roma at times. You know, Sweden international. Um, I remember speaking to a couple of people about his time in Italy, and they were just saying that in terms of the modern blueprint for a goalkeeper, he, he ticks all the boxes. He's absolutely massive, and Jordan Pickford is a great goalkeeper, but perhaps a little bit small if you like for. A modern keeper, but Olsen is huge. And they were talking about his wingspan in terms of the sort of, uh, just how big he makes himself from so, sort of index finger. Yeah, he to looks it. like he's got big arms. I know it's stupid for a goalkeeper to say about a goalkeeper, but, but no, he his has. arms look massive. Yeah, you're spot on. He, he's, um, yeah. And we saw that really a couple of times, you know, that, 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 that physical presence and that wingspan, you know, he made a, a few really good saves where you just, shut down the, the attacker and close the angles by his sheer size. Um, he, he couldn't break into the team fully because Jordan Pickford, even though, you know, Olsen came in to really push Pickford, Pickford still kind of has the better sort of distribution and the better feet. And, you know, that's, a, you know, quite a valuable asset. And, and Olsen didn't have that. But that's not to say he had any particular weaknesses. I thought he was a really good stand-in. And I'm surprised he went, but I don't think that was down to... Everton not wanting him, I just think he, you know, he wanted to uh, to move on at that stage, and so Everton went and brought in, you know, another couple of goalkeepers, but not not of his pedigree really. So, uh, well, I suppose you could say Peter Cech's had a great career as well, you know, older older than Olsen, but nevertheless, you know, he's been around. But yeah, I think I think he'll be a really good backup. And as you say, you know, I don't think he's going to break into the team and, uh, and knock Martinez out by any means, but yeah, solid keeper. If I could just add to that, Dan, yeah, I mean, there'll be some supporters that will be, some Villa supporters that will be wondering why Villa have, have moved to get another goalkeeper when they already have, obviously, Emi Martinez as the, as the first choice, Jed Steer as a, as a pretty reliable and, and, and solid backup. Um, I think if you remember, though, Villa let Tom Heaton go in the summer, so they were effectively a goalkeeper down, and when Gerard came in, he looked at every department and, and said that he wanted two players um, in every position, outfield, and that he wanted three goalkeepers, three senior goalkeepers. Um, at times, Villa have got Villa swapped between their young teenage goalkeepers, and, and they put him on. They put them as the, as the third player um, who who will do the warm ups in, in games with them. So they wanted three senior goalkeepers. Quite surprised actually that, that Greg said he did he did well at Everton. So I think I only watched him maybe once or twice. Um, in some of Everton's televised games, and I remember him having a particularly bad game. I think I can't remember the game, Greg. Sorry, but um, that, that's quite encouraging to hear that um, he, he did well in his other games, though. Because if Martin is ever does pick up an injury or a suspension, you want somebody to, solid to rely on. Um, and Villa have now got two to choose from, so that, that's a good thing. Yeah, I've spoke to a few people at Sheffield United, and they didn't exactly rave about him, and he's he's been playing in the Championship half season. But Greg's. Made me feel good about that. You've done a great job there of, of pepping up a second choice goalkeeper coming in. In fact, it actually got me quite excited about a second choice goalkeeper. <laughs> so that was that was good. One thing I'm not excited about, and in fact I'm a little bit annoyed about it, is obviously we would have liked Rafa Benitez to have had another week because it, I remember last time Duncan Ferguson took over and he just lifted the place straight straight away. I think you won your first game. I remember him running up and down the touchline yeah, and Chelsea. celebrating with ball yeah. boys or fans and doing all sorts. It was a great win for Everton. So I'm now worried that that kind of thing's going to happen again because you've also got the Gerrard element, haven't you? And it feels like Duncan Ferguson will thrive off that Blues v Reds vibe. Yeah, you're spot on. Yeah, you're spot on. Danny will. Uh, he'll use that to his advantage. You know, he'll, he, he'll, I'm sure he'll use it in the media in, in the next few days in his press conference. And um, 
you know, Goodison has been a strange old place recently. Uh, the atmosphere can turn very quickly. The fans are just frustrated and fed up and angry. Um, and it can be counterproductive for for the team, especially when they're actively against the man in the home dugout. But, I, you know, you're right. It must be frustrating from Villa's point of view. that You know, that would have been certainly a massive help if it had been Rafa, but it does change. It flips a bit, like you've just said there. And, you know, Duncan got a massive bounce and a huge reaction for the players against Chelsea back in 2019 when he was the caretaker before Ancelotti came in. And uh, he just, all the cliches, he just managed to encourage them to run that extra yard, throw in that extra tackle, you know, kind of put their bodies on the line a bit more than, because he, he you know, he's got the respect in the dressing room and he's got that sort of synergy with the fans. And I think... Um, You've got all the, the ingredients for a, a, a real bear pit atmosphere. Goodison now, you've got the villain in Gerrard, who's, you know, not, not very popular for obvious reasons. And, and you've got Duncan, the hero, back in the dugout. Uh, and it's a, you know, it's a must win. So I think it does make Villa's task harder. However, you only have to look at Everton's form recently and, and some individual performers and, you know, sort of key areas. Michael Keane has been awful recently. You know, he's a confidence player, Michael Keane, and he's had no confidence at all. Benitez isn't the type to put his arm around the player's shoulders. He's not a leader of men in that regard. So whether Duncan can get into him quickly, I hope, but if not, he's made some shocking errors. And um, Calvert-Lewin hasn't yet clicked back into the form that we expect from him. So it hasn't yet anyway. So yeah, I'd still say... Still be fairly confident uh, for Villa coming. And of course, Coutinho, I forgot. How can you... So there's there's like three... Um, well, certainly two ex-Reds and then an ex-player who's going to be there. So yeah, it's a, it's going to be a really exciting game. I'll be there on Saturday. There's so much, so many subplots. And um, yeah, Villa and Everton have had some absolute classics over, over the sort of last kind of 10, 11 years, haven't they? More so under Moyes. Um, but I've got a feeling, I mean, watch this be a nil-nil ball, ball fest now, but I've got a feeling it could be a really exciting game. Yeah, I feel the same as you. Obviously, the lunchtime kickoff as well, so it's got the TV audience. I think, yeah, I think it'll be a really good game. Ferguson v Gerrard, one of those managerial matchups that makes you feel really old because I'm pretty sure I remember both of them being young players, so that's not, not great at all. But yeah, thanks ever so much for coming on, Greg. Hopefully, you don't enjoy the game too much on Saturday, but I wish Everton well after that because I do like Everton. They're a great club. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Let's do our news roundup and I'm going to throw it to Holly first. It's a huge game for the Aston Villa women's team this weekend. Yeah, there is. They travelled to Leicester and... If Villa don't win that game, they they are pretty much into a relegation battle between themselves, Leicester and Birmingham City. So, Carla Ward and Aston Villa need a win. They haven't won since November. Granted, there's a bit of a kind of cool down period with, included within that, but they've really had a poor run of results. And and you know, considering the really positive start to the season they had, you know, Villa are capable of pulling out results under Carla Ward. So. Hopefully they can get back to winning ways, but you know Leicester have got a lot more momentum behind them at the moment than Villa do, so it really could go either way. So it's definitely a game that people should tune in for because I think it will definitely be feisty. Um, you know that kind of Midlands derby as well. So I'm definitely going to be tuning in and hopefully Villa win. I don't want to upset Carla Ward. I feel like she'd be very upset with how things are going at the moment. Un- unexpected because she's a bit she's a winner really. Yeah. Oh, she definitely has high expectations. You could see she had that at Blues and, and, and in terms of wanting better facilities as well while while she was at Birmingham City and you know that was part of the reason why she decided to move on once the season was over. So now at Villa and, and a really good team and, and really good backing from from the male counterparts, Carla Ward will expect the best from her team and, and right now she's not quite getting that. So like I said, hopefully Villa can return to winning ways. Otherwise, it's it's going to be a, a rough end to the season and, and potentially a, a relegation decider on the last game uh, because they play Birmingham City. So um, it's going to be an interesting watch over the next few weeks. We'll be keeping our eye on, on what happens with the Villa women's team on this podcast and just in general as well. Greg, you at the under-23s midweek, a derby day defeat to Villa's feeder team, West Brom. What did you make of the game? Uh, yeah, I think there was five ex-West Brom players in, in the Villa team. Not very impressive, Villa, to be honest. West Brom took the goals well. Surprising, so I looked a strong side, that did. Yeah, I think, to be fair, though, West Brom did have a couple of first-team players in there. They had Kenneth Zahor up front and um, uh, a, couple, a couple of players who, who have played in the first team this season, fellows. Uh, and one more but yeah I, I expected a little bit more from Villa I thought Louis Barry had spells where he looked where he looked good but then missed a couple of decent chances Brad Young up front didn't really go for him um, Tim Eric Boonham was looking forward to watching him I thought he had some decent moments but then spoke to a few other people who were at the game and, and said that he, they didn't think he was at his best um, Reiki had an alright game but probably not quite as good as we know he was and then you look at the back four very, very young, couple of sixteen-year-olds in there. The the the, key, the the most impressive performer for me, I thought, was was a young lad called Jaden Barber, sixteen-year-old um, who played at both, both right back and left back. Um, he's a current England youth international. I was really impressed with him. I thought, thought he was good going forward, decent defensively. Um, reminded me a little bit like Kane Kessler, you know that that sort of mould. Um, could be somebody who Villa looks to develop in the future, we'll see. But in terms of the result, no, disappointing one for Villa and they'll, they'll look to bounce back on Monday. On the plus, nice finish from Cameron Archer, Michael Owen, 98 yes, against yes. Argentina vibes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, sorry, I should have mentioned Cameron Archer because uh, I, think I've, I think every game that I've been to this season that he started, 
he scored in, which is quite an incredible statistic. Um, yeah, considering, I, considering I go to most games, you know, it's uh, it's it's pretty incredible. Yeah, a brilliant, brilliant finish. I think that the goal has been clipped up and, and shared now on on social media. So f- for those of you who haven't seen it, go and have a look at it. Brilliant, brilliant first touch and a, and a superb finish. Um, interesting to see what happens with Archie because I know that Gerard wants to keep him around. Gerard would like three strikers um, in his group because he's obviously let Keaton and Davis go out and loan to Nottingham Forest. Um, there's lots of interest in Davis. Uh, sorry, lots of interest in Archer. Um, there's about twenty scouts who were there on on Tuesday. Uh, sorry, Monday night watching him. Um, so it'd be interesting to see if any of those clubs, the majority of those in the Championship, um, are able to get him. Um, and there's quite a lot of talk about Villa trying to get another striker, isn't there? So. If there's any questions you want to ask me around that, I'll try and do my best to answer them. Well, I was going to say, still could really do with another centre-back. Yeah. Fans desperately want a defensive midfielder still. And you've just said Villa are looking potentially getting a striker so they can loan Archer out. Little murmurs that Gerard's looking to add some bite to his attack, Greg. Yeah, look, I mean, we've all seen the Luis Suarez. Passed you by, that, that gag passed you by. Oh, I got the gag. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. Didn't pass Holly by, but passed yeah. you by. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah, a little bit slow off the mark there. Um as probably Luis Suarez might be at 34 years old now. <laughs> um, but Isn't he older than that? I thought he was older. He's my age. He's 36. He's 34. Um, he's 34, yeah. So, look, we've, we've all seen the links, haven't we? There's been some talk in Spain um, from well-respected sources over there. Uh, we'll, uh, look, I'll see if I can put any flesh on the bone um, in, in the days ahead and, and try and confirm or, or deny any of the interest there from Villa. I know that Gerard obviously got on very, very well with him at Liverpool and likes him. Um, and, and he's certainly one who who, who will be considered. Um, whether Villa push for him in this window in the summer or even either um, remains to be seen. And, and I'll just try and do my best to update as and when I know. Yeah, and while we're talking about transfers, The Athletic are recording daily transfer shows at the moment, bringing you exclusive news and insight on any deals during the January transfer window. Holly and myself feature on that show, so if you haven't had enough of us, do go and listen to that. The only place you can hear these podcasts is on the Athletic app or by subscribing to the Athletic UK Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts. You can start a free trial of that today. And don't forget the 33% discount as well on the Athletic if you're not already a subscriber. Head to theathletic.com slash villapod. That will do us for today. Thanks to Greg, thanks to Holly and thanks to the other Greg from the Everton side for coming on and talking to us as well the game up quite nicely for us actually i'm really really looking forward to saturday have a great rest of the week thank you for listening up the villa